Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Mama's Pearls. I am your hostess, Cynthia, and here at Mama's Pearls, we take the most beautiful pieces of life and string them together. Now, um, being beautiful is, um, to me, having a full-powered voice, which I lost this week, where um, my really good friend and client, Lisa Schneiderman, was in town, and last week we were just doing a whole host of nonstop um, networking events and just working and working and schmoozing and cruising. And, you know, basically when Lisa left, I woke up with a full-blown case of laryngitis. Now, my voice is settled back in, but I brought in my very, very best friend and my version of um, Gail King to co-host with me today, and that would be my gorgeous, beautiful friend, Melissa. So, Melissa, say hi. Hi, everybody. And uh, <laughs> I'm fortunate enough to be able to move things along, but also to put my two cents in today. So uh, I will be the guest hostess this week, and so I think many of you may remember hearing me on Mama's Pearls Real Time episode back in January, and um, I knew it wasn't going to be the last time you heard from me, so uh, as Cynthia said, I'm her Gail King, and so I completely <laughs> agree. <laughs> I'm just hoping she gives me a little more work to do in the future. Yeah, <laughs> I could certainly keep you busy. That, that, that's so not a problem, <laughs> but Melissa is my dear friend, and we were on real time. You heard a little bit of our background. We met um, when we were 11 years old up in camp. And we've known each other going on now 20-plus years. And, Melissa, I love you for stepping in. It wasn't even, like, an issue. It's just like, okay, you need me. What time? Where do I, what do I need to be? What do I need to do? And I just, I just love you for stepping, stepping in and saving Mama's pearls. Well, it's my pleasure. And also, I think it's very funny based on this week's topic um, <laughs> that you've taken it very literal. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, it's been um, – Having to shut up is is kind of torturous for me. I mean, I'm a lawyer. I'm a radio show host. I was voted biggest chatterbox in my high school yearbook. And not having a voice is like, I can't describe it. It's like having to be in forced silence is just something like I would never do voluntarily. Like I know a lot of people, they'll go off to ashrams or even up in the Omega Institute and go to monasteries and they pay really good money to do these huge expensive trips where they take a voluntary vow of silence. And I just know that it's something like I would never, ever voluntarily do. (laughs) Well, that's a good point. I think based on this week's show, which we'll get into in a little while, Silent treatment is actually very hard to give someone when you do want to get things off your chest. And so I'm sure in the reverse seat, when you're getting silent treatment, um, it's very hard to take also. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been both um, – it's, it's funny. It's like you lose your voice, but you gain this whole sort of power. And we'll dive into the real heart of um, – of silent treatment in a few minutes and bring on our gorgeous guest host who's who's with us live today from North Carolina. But um, before we get into that, I just wanted to talk a little bit because I can only talk in little increments at a time. <laughs> but I just wanted to talk and recap um, last week's show, which which last week's show was kind of like short and sweet because, I, like I said, I was in the middle of the 140 um, conference which Jeff Pulver put on, and Jeff Pulver is one of the original investors in Twitter. And the whole um, conference was really just about supporting um, social media and, like, the next wave generation of 
connecting with your audience. And Jeff does these conferences all over the world. I think he's in Tel Aviv now, and he's going to be in L.A. And um, it was really a remarkable experience. And I wound up meeting our guest, um, our special guest, who's going to be with us today. Uh, excuse me. Um, at the 140 conference through through Lisa and um, a project that they were they were both sponsoring called Everybody Tweet. So I'm excited to talk about that with Dorsey as well as dive into her stuff. But so last week was kind of like like sweet and you know short and sweet, and the topic was heartstrings. Um, and the pearl of the week was love the river wild, and um, and. It was well. It was kind of funny. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I, I recorded the show first, and then um, I was recording it from my friend's office in New York. Who the the funny setup about that is my friend runs like a very high tech company, so everything's like state of the art. And I'm like 20 minutes into recording Heartstrings, and the phone goes dead. <laughs> And I realized, like, I looked down, I'm like, wait, is it me? Because it certainly usually is me. But when I looked down, I realized that the phone unplugged. <laughs> so, again, like, the phone going silent and all this stuff, like, happening and then having laryngitis, and I just realized, like, I have to shut up. So I plugged the phone back in, and it takes, like, 15 minutes for his, like, super state-of-the-art phone system to, to reboot. And I re-recorded the show, and I just kept it, like, very short and sweet. But, but in it, I shared um, stories about, you know, what really makes your heart sing. And for me, and anybody who knows me knows that those stories usually lie within my family and friends. And um, we lose so much of our connection and our memories to our friends and family, and particularly our own ancestry and heritage. And um, you know, one of the one of the my driving forces of doing the show and and the blog, Mama's Pearls, is to really to remember um, and you know cement the memories and the wisdom that I've gained through my ancestry um, in a tangible form, so I could pass down you know through my generations. And um, the one famous story was of my great-grandfather who missed the Titanic. So if you want to hear more about that story, please go listen to um, Heartstrings, which you can find on the, on the um, archives on Black Talk Radio slash Mama's Pearls. So again, like connecting with your ancestry, and, um, and coincidentally, I watched, um, we bought and watched Avatar, which, Melissa, I know you've seen, right? We also purchased it as well. <laughs> Did you screen it yet? I watched the whole movie, yes. Okay, did you have the kids watch it? Because, um, by the way, listeners, Melissa is the mother of three. <laughs> did you watch it yet? Uh, my son uh, watched it. The, the girls decided uh, they were not interested. So we'll just save it in our um, our, 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 our bookshelves since we don't have many books anymore because everything is on digital. All right. <laughs> so now it's on our video shelf. Did, did your son love it? Um. You know, I still think they're quite young to really deep, de- dig deep into understanding what really symbolically is going on. Um, you know, they're they're still into surface, uh, you know, watching things visually and then just remembering them by the story, but not understanding the deep meaning on stuff. So um, I I think it's great that it that we have the video, so that as they get older and they go back and watch this movie. They'll start to spiritually get get the spiritual right. side of it, right? When they're a little bit older, right? It is a very layered film to say the least, and um, we watched it with our kids, and they both loved it. I mean, um, Colby, there's like one scene when they're when they're first climbing up like the huge mother tree, and um, Colby just stops and goes, "Oh my God," <laughs> which was so cute, but. You know, the thing, the one of the core things that I love about Avatar and why I just think it's one of the, you know, just most beautiful movies is the connection that um, that the people have with nature and how their nature around them kind of works like the human bodies in storing um, the memories of their ancestors. Like we have body memory and they have. Um, 
you know, and theirs is like logged on through the ancestry and the trees and through nature and, and connecting with some of the trees. You can hear like the whispers of their ancestors and the stories and everything's coded. Uh, you know, to me that was just like beyond. Um, so coming into into this week and setting it up was was really like, you know, you get those messages when, when you're in silence. And obviously I've had the technical difficulties of having to deal with, with really si- sitting back and, and being still and um, watching and listening. Um, it's been a long time since I've actually been listening because I'm doing so much talking and putting out there and promoting and um, networking and mothering and you know, and in my silence, I just found like all these other ways to to connect. And these ways are these alternative methods of connecting are often frowned upon when we, you know, in our society where it's all about the communication tools, it's all about um, the media, it's all about you know making sure your kids can. Um, um, can communicate through words, and we forget to watch their actions. And so it's been really kind of empowering to be still and having to just watch my children and to guide and still be a present parent, um, you know, from a silent space. So my voice is starting to <laughs> go again. So, um, Melissa, will you do the, the fine honor of um, leading us into into this week? into this week's topic. Absolutely. And before that, in case, uh, let's just recap that we're listening to Mama's Pearls and you know where to find Cynthia at Cynthia at MamasPearls.com. And she's on Twitter Twitter now, which is exciting. So send tweet if you want to follow her throughout the week when we're not live. And let's go into this week's show. So I hope many have read the blog and the, the wonderful words of Cynthia. I enjoyed this week's and I, and I definitely felt that there's more than an hour's worth of information to share, but uh, the Pearl of the Week is In Silence, Everything Screams. And so to start with a famous philosopher, the Taoist philosopher Laozi. Yeah, I'll I'll let you try and pronounce that. (laughs) Laozi. (laughs) Pearl, silence is a source of great strength. Taoism critically assesses language and conventional wisdom and views them as inherently biased, artificial, and widely using paradoxes to sharpen the point. So I think that's funny enough that Cynthia lands with no voice. (laughs) And um, we're relying on other measures to communicate and uh, being forced to be silent. So uh, I remember when we were in camp many years ago as kids, there was four days of the entire summer where they'd have uh, silent meals. And at the time, we didn't, I don't think we ever understood it. There was no r- rationale. But um, during color war, uh, mealtime was silence. And uh, it definitely was interesting because we were able to still get the peanut butter and jelly from the front of the table all the way to the end <laughs> of the table without saying a word. So it's amazing what we can do without using our voices, I guess right. that's my point. And we well the the whole point that we used to say is like we're saving our voices for sing, which was like the big closing night ceremonies of color war where we'd all like sing our heads off and do our our rehearsed songs and the anthems and alma maters and you know, it was a coming together of like the two divided tribes. <laughs> it was you know, when you look back it's like so cheesy but it's so awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We we experienced Survivor. So we're wondering if uh, our listeners have ever received the silent treatment. And uh, I know from my own experience, it's definitely not fun. And sometimes is, you know, when there are certain people, you actually want them to be quiet and they won't be. But <laughs> but when you're in silence and it's involuntary, um, sometimes silence could be a good thing. But then on the other hand, it could be a very difficult thing to be um, be, be, get, be, get, be given to. So um, So when you're forced to be silent, and you must turn to your other senses. It's interesting to see and watch how other people respond and act when you're in silence. So uh, Cynthia has found that everything grows louder around the quieter she's become. So 
Yeah, it, it's been kind of hilarious. And, like, the other day, literally, I, I could not talk. I mean, like, even my coughs were silent and my sneezes were silent. And I went out to dinner with my family, and my mom, like, started whispering to me. And my, my, my husband, who's, like, in all his glory, by the way, that I'm, like, I've been, you know, muted for the week. But, um but, like, you know, and he's starting to, like, mime to me. And, you know, the only person who really got me, like, from just, like, a look was my dad. My dad was like, oh, you want, like, the soup? Okay. Like, you know, and that's my dad. But, like, everybody else, I'm like, you know, I'm sitting there with my notepad, like, writing notes back and forth. And, you know, my mom's, like, wanting to respond. And she's like, oh, give me your notebook. I'm like, mom, you can talk. <laughs> I can't. You can talk. So, it's been really, really funny and interesting. Now, I already see, oh, we did have a caller who you dropped off, and I'm sorry, but if you want to call back in and chat with us today, um, the number here at Mama's Pearls is 347-327-9450. So it's funny enough when you're in silence, like on your own and in your own family, but what really happens um, when you're trying to be an equal partner and when things go unsaid for a really long time and one finds themselves really without a voice. So that is why I'm bringing in the, the gorgeous and natural blonde, I might add, Dorsey Russell. Dorsey Russell is the founder and CEO of, of the Consciousing Co-Parenting Institute and is a reunification coach and co-parent educator. She's devoted her career to providing strategies and solutions for parents and children struggling through parental alienation and high-conflict divorce. And her primary focus is high-conflict custody disputes involving parental alienation under the pretense of divorce. And her goal is to help establish custody plans and co-parenting roles that encourage positive relationships between children and both parents. She could be found at www.consciouscoparentinginstitute.com and also on Twitter at Dorsey Russell. And Dorsey, I will say that you need to shorten that name. But with that, welcome to Mommy's Pearls, Miss Dorsey. So much, Cynthia, for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of your show today. I too have had laryngitis since. Uh, Did you really? Yes, yes. I've I have lost my voice. You can hear it's still a little raspy, and um, I, I'm very seldom without my voice. So it, it's huh. obviously, like you said, the tool of which I teach and work and parent and all things um, in, inclusive. And so it is very difficult to not have a voice. That is so funny. <laughs> it is funny. That is funny. I mean, this is this is what Lisa does to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally blame Lisa. Blame Lisa. Kind of like the <laughs> the uh, um, what is it? The, the South Park song, "Blame Canada." We'll just say, "Blame Lisa." <laughs> <laughs> so, have you eaten like five beehives, like I have? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Well, I'm actually on a special diet, so there are things that I can't actually have. So right. I've been um, uh, popping those uh, emergencies, which I think is delightful, um, which actually got me my voice back very quickly. So I'm grateful for whoever created that product. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go grab a cough drop now. <laughs> so tell us, tell us, Dorsey, about... Um, about your sounds of silence and a little bit about more about your work. Okay. So I, I love this topic because um, my background is has been in sales and before I started my company four years ago. And the interesting thing about the success in many opportunities with sales and really just in relationships is when you can listen. And most people have a really difficult time listening. They want to listen to their own voice. And... Uh, I have found in my own personal journey and my own personal experience and then through my coaching practice is that people know where they need to be going and um, where, uh, where their voice should be leading them if they could just find their silence. And I find when I'm meeting with people, even in coaching, and I give them the space, I hold that sacred space open for them and then I just listen and sometimes throw in a word or a, um, if I lean into their energy and pull something
something out and I let them then share what their experience is or where, where they are in their journey, you learn so much from just being quiet, which is hard for a chatterbox like me to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, and I, what I've learned as a parent is um, I have two children, 11 and 9, two girls, and um, as a parent, what I've learned is, and what I teach, is to really teach your children how to have their voice and how to trust their intuition, which is their silent voice inside of them. And, um, and I apply that in my own life with my own kids every day in allowing them to have the space to speak their voice and to listen to their, not just their words, but like you were saying earlier, their mannerisms and their body language and reading their energy. We all have the ability, we're all intuitive to read people's energy. We just ignore it because we get nervous. We need to have idle chatter. And I've um, learned a lot from my children just giving them the space to actually speak where I listen. And they will share information if you give them the opportunity to. Right. It's true. I'm in sales, and uh, I've learned with my children to be better at sales by if the more I listen, the more I get somewhere. So, uh, you know, the art of listening requires your mouth to be quiet, so it requires silence. <laughs> well, it's also, um, and so many people talk about this a lot, especially um, and the more successful um, businessmen and entrepreneurs really know this, is when you're engrossed in a conversation, are you basically just waiting to talk? Or are you wanting to listen? Right. And that's, that's such a core thing. And I'm always racing ahead to, to talk and talk and talk. I mean, I, I love sharing. I love expressing. And, um, and I, I know I need to step it, step it back a bit. And, and it's true with your kids. I mean, when you're in the role as a parent, we off, too often try and, like, overrun our kids, overrun their thoughts by anticipating everything that they're thinking and we have to know everything they're thinking and every action that they're going to take. And, you know, we get on, like, this speed level with them. And it's like when you back off of them, and, like, this week I've had to really back back off of them because, you know, I, I couldn't have that communic- that constant communication with them, um, which is something also that the schools have been telling me to to reinforce, especially with my, my son who does have some um, – um, speech delays and like the second I stepped back I kind of just like looked at him and he tilted his head and his whole face just lit up in a smile and it was like it was like his very polite and cute way from saying like shut up mom <laughs> well what's amazing is it, in saying that is we are so commanding of our children and right. and then demanding of their you know so many parents you know, parent with the authoritarian parenting style, even though that's not our intention. So we're always telling our children what to do and commanding them. And then if they don't do something the way we want them to, then we question why they're doing it that way. And so mm-hmm. we, we forget that um, so many parents forget that they're just souls, divine souls, just like we are. And we're here to coach and guide and lead our children and teach them how to become healthy, happy, responsible adults. But even in their little human form, their tiny little form as as child, they still have their own thoughts and their own um, ideas and their own creation, and they're creating at a much faster pace than we are. And when we stop and listen to what they have to say, or we lead the conversation with I statements instead of you, which automatically puts everybody on the defense, if we – if we treat our children the way we expect to be treated or the way that we treat our counterparts and friends and, and adults, you get so much more cooperation and, um, there's so, and there's so much calm in your home instead of chaos because they feel respected. And people who feel heard feel respected. And um, children are no different. And so when we listen to our children and, and lead with I statements, you know, I see you haven't done, or I see you're doing this, tell me more about that, it gives them the opportunity to share instead of why are you doing this or why didn't you do that or, or I, you know, you, you, you. And, and so 
and then just giving them the space. So if you make a statement or you ask a question, stop and listen. <laughs> you can what's out of their mouth. Right, right. And that to me is something of um like the more beautiful where like the real beauty and magic happens in the parent child relationship. Um, because you're giving each other like the the equal respect to kind of just be. Um, so so many parents like they get nervous when they don't see their kids acting a certain way or meeting up with their expectations of who they should should be, and we project so much of ourselves and our own like shortcomings onto our children that we forget to let our children's like grow organically and, and naturally and just kind of like stand aside and hold their hands as as a guide to who they're supposed to be. So when you were saying about um, almost asking open-ended questions or leading questions, as you would say, and like um, as trial attorneys would say, like can you give a little bit more um, of an example and feel for like what that conversation would look like and how to shift the, that dynamic? Right. So um, I'll just give you some, some simple things that we um, – because I, I – Parent, uh, I mean, I, I parent obviously, but I coach families going through conflict divorce, and um, most people speak to their children in accusatory you you um, statements. You know, you forgot to lock the door, and the dog got out. Right? You know, a statement like that has in that tonality and in, in in that you know in those words starting with you automatically puts anybody, including adults, on the defense. You know, right. um, and then or, and, and some people say, well. You know, I I talk about leading with I statements. You know, not an I statement like I don't like it when you interrupt me. You know, that's it's it's also in the tone. And so, like, if, if the the alternative to you know you forgot to lock the door and the dog got out would be the door was left open and the dog got out. Then it's right. seeing the same message is being delivered. The person who left the door open knew who left the door open, right? So. There, you take all the angst and the anger and, and the um, stress that is immediately put into a situation when communicating with a you statement. Um, I statement just put people at ease, all people, and children especially, and you get more from your children and right. they're, they're willing to contribute and participate in the family when you speak to them with respect. I statements, you know, start with a feel. You know, I feel upset about the fact that you came home late when we had an agreement that you would be home by 10. Right. Instead, oh, I had, I had that conversation plenty of times with my parents. Right, right? <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to be home by 10. It's 11.30. You're grounded, right? That's usually how that conversation goes, certainly how it went when I was a kid. And so no room for explanation, no room for um, improvement, just just wrong punishment, move along. And when you can articulate the statements with, you know, I, you know, it upsets me, um, or I'm upset about the fact that you're late when we had an agreement you'd be home by 10. And then you just hold the space. You don't have to then go on and chatter. You just give the child the opportunity to explain. And they always explain. It's right. amazing when you have that that environment or you create that environment for your children, it creates a safety for them that they can always come to you. And, um, you know, when, you, when you're parenting from that you place for a long time and you start shifting, it shifts. It doesn't shift overnight. So, you know, people go, I, I tried that last night and it didn't work. Well, you, you've got to give it time to work. You know, you're, you're changing your behavior takes 21 days to form a habit. You give them the opportunity to change their behavior as well and react to something that's, or act to something that's different. Um, you know, uh, I had a client who had a, um, who was going through a high conflict divorce and everything he did was wrong because the mother was saying everything he did was wrong. And so he had this little boy who was four and he couldn't really, do what he thought was normal discipline because um, anything he said to the child would be construed as he was mean and he was yelling and he was always telling him what to do and da da da. And there was a part of that that was actually accurate in that he was always saying, "You need to pick this up. You need to clean your room. You need to stop dragging your towel across the floor." You know, and this was a four-year-old child who would drag his towel across the floor to go take a shower. It drove his dad nuts because his dad was kind of a clean freak. And so, you know. 
he was in one of my, my parenting classes, and they suggested to him, well, what if you just changed it up instead of saying, you know, Tyler, stop dragging your towel across the floor. How about explaining to a four-year-old child why you don't want him to drag the towel across, across the floor? So, hey, Tyler, I see you're dragging your towel across the floor again, and the floors are dirty, they're hardwood, and they get, they get dust and dirt on them every day. And you're going to take a shower and get clean. So when you drag your towel across the floor, it gets dirty. I don't think you really want to dry off with a dirty towel and then just find right. space. Logically, a four-year-old child then can say, oh, Right. Dorsey, it sounds like that formula would work very well for parents, too, with each other, especially when it comes to the co-parenting um, that you coach on. So it seems like this would be a great formula for parents to each other or couples, per se, to speak more respectfully to each other or just to listen. Know. This is something that should be implemented not just to your children, but it seems like if you were to do this to your spouse, um you know, I guess my what I'm point I'm trying to say is, you know, kids learn from watching, and so if you're not doing this with your spouse, you can't expect your kids to fall into that. I don't know. I'm just no, no, no. I, th- I think you're right, on, Melissa. I think it's that these are tools and tools for the trade to apply in any in any form of relationship, really. And, um, you know, obviously here at Mama's Pearls we're focusing, you know, primarily on the parental and the familial relationships, but we're in, you know, a million different relationships at the same time. We have work relationships, relationships with teachers, authority figures, the mailman, and, you know, and at the core of it is the same thing. You know, are you fully giving the person that you're communicating with your attention and allowing them the space to to say their their piece and are you really listening to what they're saying or are you just rushing to get what you want or to get what you want out of the deal or and, and move on with your life and I find that um, my most successful negotiations in in my my day job as an entertainment attorney comes from a space where there is that honor and respect for um, I hear you, you know, Avatar, I see you. I hear what you what you want and what you need from this deal. Here are my main concerns. What are your main concerns? Let's come to an agreement and move forward. Any agreement that I've tried to negotiate um, or where I've come up against people who are just dictating to me what has to be, and I'll tell you there's nothing that infuriates me more when I just hear like a blanket no um, or no, it's just because, and it's the same thing. Um, in a parent-child relationship when um, I see parents or I do it myself and I implement like the classic um, the classic parenting lines like that you can't do this and when they ask when the children really want to know why feed me information and we got to remember that our kids are just constant sponges and our magic mirrors that reflect us to us and you just say to them something that's so curt and disrespectful, like, because I'm the mommy, that's why. You have to do what I say, like what Dorsey was saying, where you step into just like that dictator-type role to your kids or in any form of relationship. You might get what you want in the short term, but long term you're doing yourself, the other person, your child, your business partner, such a great disservice by not being more aware enough and more really comfortable and confident in yourself to like open up to take that extra two minutes to have a conversation or to step back out of that 21 day habit that you've built of just having like you know the um the the gavelin not the gavelin but the oh god (laughs) the the thing that the the judges (laughs) you i should know this whatever you know what i'm saying what is it that in the courtroom the order in the court not the what is it? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I'm a lawyer, people. But <laughs> you know, but when you just like lay down the law without you know nothing to back back it up, or you know where it's in a dictatorship, you just cancel out the power all which ways around. And I see you do get more bees with honey, especially from your children. They kind of just like, you know, at least with my kids, they're super sensitive when you yell at them. I raise my voice to them even the slightest bit, and they go into like the automatic sad face, and they start crying, and, 
run into their room and they don't want anything to do with me. When I catch myself um, going into like that screaming, you know, knee-jerk response, and I will say like Melissa and I were talking about on Mama's Pearls, like, and I've learned this week again, which has been reinforced to um, like preserve my voice and use it when it's needed. So like I, I reserve those, um, you know, the the real intensive nose for like when my kids are in danger, like they're running into the street, they're reaching for the hot stove. Like those nose mean no. But when everything is responded to in that same um, level of force as you would scream to your child, like no from running into the street into oncoming traffic becomes the boy who cried wolf and they start like automatically just tuning just tuning off and kids will know how to register what you're saying and kind of give you what you want to get like what they want out of a situation and that's when I really find um, that in any situation especially with kids that they fully feel like they've lost their voice in in a relationship and again as a parent you might get your short-term response but you're really losing your connection and understanding of your child by stripping away his voice. Very true. So many parents ah. that um, if they just ask a battery of questions, they're going to engage their kids in, in talking, but that's, that's really more permissive parenting and, you know, uh, and commanding is, is the more the authoritarian um, parenting style. I like to use conscious parenting style, which is somewhere down the middle by by using the I statements and allowing the silence at the end. And just like adults like don't like the uncomfortable silence, like you're talking about, children dislike it even more. So they right. will fill the end of an I statement with information for you. And, um, and you get your point across. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, well, you know, it, it's so hard because, I, you know, they're irritating and they're, they're fighting or they're doing this, da, 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 da. And, and I... I Nobody's perfect, and this isn't about judgment. It's just about gaining new skills. And, and I always right. tell people to, to take a step back. When you become aware that you're getting nervous, and, you know, I was raised by, by a very, um, you know, angry, hostile mom. She yelled all the time, so I'm, I'm a yeller. You know, I'm a very, uh, first of all, I have a loud voice, and then one of my... <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> my, my oldest daughter is partially deaf, so I have to talk loud around her and louder, and so I feel like sometimes all I do is yell. And so I have to be consciously aware of, of my, my tone and my, and my volume. And when I'm yelling, sometimes my youngest daughter will say, why are you yelling? And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize I was yelling. Thanks for pointing that out. And that's another thing is when you make a mistake, because you're going to make mistakes, we all do. When you make a mistake, own it. Own it with your kids. Don't own it with your guilt. Own it with your children. Admit right. that you've made a mistake. Share with them why you made the mistake, not as an excuse, but as a place of understanding and seeking forgiveness. And so many people are afraid to show any weakness to their children, and that's, that's poor parenting. It gives, it's permissive parenting. It gives the ch children the authority to walk all over you and to prey on your guilt because I can tell you they're very intuitive and they feel it. So it's best to just own when you've made a mistake. Hey, look, I shouldn't have yelled. That was totally inappropriate. I apologize for yelling at you. I was really frustrated or I had a really bad day at work, and it's totally inappropriate for me to take those frustrations out on you. I'm sorry. Right. Make it right. Right. right, and I totally agree with that. I think a lot of parents um, don't feel that they have to apologize to their kids. And <laughs> Backing, yeah, and like backing up to when my kids were baby babies, especially with my son, you know, him being the first one out of the box. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the the few things that were like constantly coming out of my my husband and I's mouth was "I love you" and "I'm sorry." It was like, "Oops, I'm sorry." <laughs> I didn't realize like I just bumped your head on that. You know, we were constantly goofing, and I became very comfortable in in saying I'm sorry to them, like, right away. And I think it's actually a source of true power when you can have that conversation with your kids and admit when you're wrong to them and that mommy's not perfect or daddy's not perfect, and um, and it's not a contest of who can scream the loudest wins because – you know, that just irritates me so 
much when I see like other family structures or even in my own family structure when you get into like these yelling matches and you know when you when you get into yelling nobody's hearing what's being said anymore like it doesn't matter it's just all it's just all noise you just lose you know all of the um all of the the true meaning and um and force behind like what you were really saying gets lost once you start yelling and when you start yelling at me I'm sorry it falls it falls completely on deaf ears I totally tune you out and the kids will do the same thing like kids will they're constantly studying us and they will build up their own defense mechanisms against us to protect their inner core and to stay um and to stay and to stay in their in their own power, they'll they'll develop coping mechanisms and they'll give you what you want. I mean, I'm sure like with with you and um, your own personal experience with your mom, like having somebody who's constantly yelling and bombarding, you had to build up like that that inner defense structure. Otherwise, you would have been just like eaten alive. Absolutely. Well, and and I was, you know, I developed yeah. internal illness and lost my colon because of it. So, right. you know. It, in, in parents, like, I get a lot of pushback in parenting classes and about, you know, well, if I don't yell, if I don't tell them what to do, they don't do it and they don't know where I stand and, and um, or they don't realize the urgency of the situation unless I speak that way. And, and I, you know, constantly remind them with examples that I statements are, are if they're phrased right, they're, they're almost a plea from the parents to the children um, that they need help. And children love to feel like they're helping. They do. Even right. the most rebellious, toxic teenager who just hates their parents, right? That happens. We go through that phase. You know, they still want to feel like they're helping. They love to feel that way. And when you speak to kids and, and everybody with those I statements, it provides a valuable way for other people, your kids especially, to know the limits of what you accept. And, and you know, you don't have to embrace the myth that, you should avoid the truth about how you feel for you might hurt somebody else's feelings. People, including children, um, they need to know the truth. It, it helps them make rational choices. And I statements are the best way to tell the truth in a non-attacking, non-violent you know, way. It's just, right. this is how I feel. And you can be firm, but not abrasive. And it's very, very, very powerful and extremely effective. And I've worked with families with kids that have been severely alienated from a parent where they've lost the relationship and they're in reunification coaching and we're bringing, we're, we're rebuilding the relationship that the child and parents once had. And by shifting the way that the um, target parent communicates, and they've already, just so you know, they've gone through a whole rationale of, of co-parenting classes with me and have learned communication and effective communication styles. Um, before they reunite with the kids, but it's powerful. And it actually, the reunification process really only takes four days. It, they can do it in a four-day workshop. It's amazing. And I've seen complete, just utterly trashed relationships with the parent and child change. That right. Quickly. And, right. Um, that is so. That is such powerful, powerful work right there. And um, I just wanted to to take a pause on that for a second to just kind of reinforce the notion that um, that there can always be a reunification process that there's it's never too late and I've said this time and time and again on Mama's Pearls that um, you don't have to wait until you hit the wall or do, you know something drastic or tragic happens that you know once you become even slightly aware or in line with your feelings and when you're feeling off or something's not right or you don't like the the um the nature of the relationship that you're that's happening either with your with anyone but you know primarily with your spouse or with your children that you can address it and then that there are resources and people out there like Dorothy Russell who can help you through that process and the you know the the biggest step is just kind of you know admitting that you have a problem step 1 and you know and then taking the steps to to deal with it and having that those issues and blocks that you may be having 
validated for yourself and, you know, having other people to shine a light and show you a different way. I mean, one one reason why I love Melissa so much is that she has a very different style of parenting that's very complementary to my own, and we're constantly sharing ideas of um, and exchanges about what we're doing and different methods to approach with our children. And even when you have just one person, especially somebody who knows you for 20-some odd years or somebody who's really close to you who can help guide you in the steps that you're taking with your children and with your spouse and in your relationships to help improve them and make them better and take them out, take yourself out of any um, negativity that you're helping creating. And one of the things that, and one of the work that, that you do, Dorsey, is, um, and really focusing on is parental alienation. And I think that this is just a heartbreaker on, on both sides of the coin. So I, I'd really love for you to, to spend a little bit of time just talking about um, where, we find that sel- where we find ourselves in the process of parental alienation and how you can reunify and, and mend those bridges. That's great. Um, that's a great segue. I was gonna. I want to say one thing about the creation because one of sure. the things I I start um, all of my my coaching um, new clients coming in is is I make them write this down and and repeat this every morning, which is I am a creator. My relationships are a direct result of the choices I've made. I'll only be able to achieve achieve true happiness when I am personally responsible for my life decisions. If a change needs to occur, I'm the only one with the power to affect it. If I continue to be unhappy in a relationship, it's because I'm allowing this unhappiness. And okay. Okay. <laughs> I I would love – I'm going to basically do a mini transcript of that and post it on my blog site. I put it on my, uh, my date book. <laughs> exactly, because I think that's really powerful what you just said, and there was a lot in there in a very short time, so I'm going to like encapsulize that and put that on my blog site so our listeners and, um, and readers can really really have that because that's, that's so powerful. Yeah, those are kind words. Dor- Dorothy, those are very, very important words for people to live by. I mean, one of my big uh, – things I've tried to change in myself when I'm self-improving is take accountability. Don't blame others. You know, you control your destiny, and, and that's, 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 a, that's a very spiritual and a beautiful, eloquent way of saying it, what you just said. So I, I definitely adore those so, words. You know, I, I talk about, um, you know, what are we, you know, ownership and, and um, what, what are you the ownership of? And the concept of ownership to me on a spiritual level, a very spiritual person, is that you are the creator of relationships. It's a value, valuable possession that you own. You are the owner of all of your relationships. And you are in the driver's seat and directing how those relationships are in your life. And, um, you know, we, we talk about our material possessions all the time. And some people even speak about their children as if they're possessions. But right. They have with regards to their children is the relationship with the child, and you are the director of that relationship. Um, people that are going through high conflict divorce um, and just divorce in general, there's always some level of um, bad mouthing, or um, as it escalates, it's bashing and then into brainwashing. And there, there are three very distinct levels of, of parental alienation. The minor being, you know. Simple things get said on the spot. Your dad drives me crazy because he's always late. I can't go do what I want to do. You know, something simple like that that gets escalated into a, in a, into a, a campaign against the um, denigration of the relationship with the other parent. And um, I work with families on all levels. And um, obviously the first, the lower, and the moderate levels, you can get those families to turn. And I also like to work with the alienating parent to help them see what they're doing. Sometimes people can't see it. When you get to the higher end of moderate and then just the malignant um, alienation, those people know what they're doing. They're usually borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personalities. And mm-hmm. so they have a ramp, they're on a rampage, right? And they badmouth the other parent in front of the, the children. They talk about the parent to their friends and family. And, and sometimes people just do, do that in general. And it doesn't have to be during a high conflict divorce. Alienation usually starts before the relationship ends. Um, 
where one child is already starting to favor a parent because of the bad mouthing. My suggestions to people is if you feel like you need to share information with your children, ask yourself the question, you know, is this information going to impact my child positively or negatively? And what is my um, intention of sharing this information? Is it out of my own anger or is it that they really need to know the information? And, um, and it's also important to ask, that, ask yourself if the tables were turned and you were going to, your ex was going to share or your spouse was going to share that information about you to your children, would you want them to share that? And more often than not, the answer to that question is no, and you shouldn't right. be sharing that information. And then, and then a, a really important question to ask is, if I share this information, if I were still happily married to my spouse and I had this information about them, would sharing that information with my ch child promote the healthy relationship with the other parent or not? And if you're in a happy, healthy relationship with that parent, you would want to be promoting a healthy relationship with the children. And so being consciously aware and asking yourself those questions before you feel the impulse to divulge information will prevent your children from having to be your therapist and from having to deal with harmful information that they don't need to know. Um, mm -hmm. if, if you find yourself in a situation where the, the campaign against you is out of control, you're losing time with your kids, you're out of communication with your kids, I strongly suggest getting help with either myself or somebody like me. Um, who is a reunification coach or a reunification therapist in your area. If, you're, if you don't know anybody, feel free to contact me on my website or on Facebook and Twitter, and I'd be happy to refer somebody in your area. Um, and the, the best thing to do when you're going through this situation is to stay in contact with your children all the time. Even if they're not responding, send them, put it on your calendar. This is the most important relationship in your life with your children. Put it on your calendar every day like you do lunch and everything else that you do in your business life. Text your kids every day if you're not in communication with them. Text them even if you are. Let them know how you feel about them. Continue to remind them of all of the times that you had together that were, that were good times. Communicating with them even if they're not communicating back with you. I'll share. I know we don't have a lot of time, but I have a wonderful success story with a man who, was, who went through a divorce when his daughter was four. She was kidnapped. The ex-wife took, took the daughter and disappeared. And um, he came into my world two years ago, severe alcoholic, couldn't keep a job. Just he, His life was ruined. He chose to go down this path with his life um, after losing contact with his daughter. He started a website in her name through coaching with me and um, started blogging and posting pictures of the two of them together and just posting stories about their first four years together and and his life and, and his journey over the 10 years that they were apart, and it makes me cry, but they reunited this year, and, or last year, and uh, in 2009, she found him on the Internet. So it is never too late. You just never know. If you don't try, you won't win. So you have to put forth the effort to stay in contact or to reconnect, even if you have no idea where they are. It's, it's never hopeless. Thank you, Dorothy. Thank you. <laughs> and pause. <laughs> we, will all, we will all take a deep breath on that. There is just um, a wealth of information, and, and I'm finding myself welling up over here, too, because the um, preservation of, of your relationships with your child is, is, is just so important. And um, But it's also... You know, the one thing I will caution is to also just respect the space that relationships go through its own life, their own life cycles. And sure, the communication is is key, but like sometimes you have to raise the white flag or throw in your towel, um, and you know, end the relationship. Or even, and that doesn't mean like when people talk about ending a relationship with someone, you know, it could just mean like ending a bad dynamic that's between you and kind of like recycling and rebirthing a new relationship or starting a new dynamic. And most of the times it's really not an easy process to do and it, ta it takes work and we got to look in our lives. You know, one thing that I found in being in silence in the past week is, 
you know, what in my life was screaming for my attention and what came into my space naturally and flowed with me. And I really want to stay with, with that that flows with me um, and is a natural complement to, to who I am and is going to enhance me. And, um, you know, and building that in all of your relationships, you know, it, it, might, it might not happen. And just to have, like, that respect and honor and with your kids. And sometimes, and, and watching Parenthood last night, which I love, but watching Parenthood, you know, there's a relationship between one of the parents and their teenage daughter that they constantly find themselves in conflict and irritating each other and, you know, and basically she quotes the pearl of when you love something, you have to set it free. And sometimes, you know, you and your children both need to go into your own timeouts, back to your respective corners in the boxing ring and, and take a pause. And when you come back to the center of the ring, it's not to throw the punches, but it's really to kind of, you know, honor that the space that you're sharing together because this life that we're going through together um, on this plane can certainly be a battlefield and feel like a boxing ring. And that's why we bring in, like, our champions and, and co-hitters, like, like my friend Melissa and, you know, and my parents and the, and the people that love and support us to help pick us up when we get knocked down in our relationships, and no matter what relationship that is. So, Dorsey, thank you so much for being here and for sharing, for sharing the work that you do and your insights. And um, you know, t- and tapping out the last bits of voice that you have, I just think it's hilarious that we both <laughs> we both met each other, talked so talked so much, had a great time, and lost our voice. <laughs> That's brilliant, really. Thank it's you so, so funny. Much. And I will did want to put into the space of Mama's Pearls that um, that you are working on a reality TV show, and Dorsey is is already a very established and prominent figure in her space and in her profession, and she's really even just at the beginning and at the cusp of where she's going to go. So we are going to be looking for that. Again, you can find um, Dorsey and her website and her co-parenting institute at, uh, help me for a second, at www.consciouscoparentinginstitute.com. Okay. Now that kind of wraps up the heart and the meat of what we're talking about, and it looks like we have a caller, and I have a feeling this is Joe. So, Joe, you're going to have to to hang. All right, I'm going to bring him in for a quick second. you got a minute. Sure. Hello? Hi, sis. Hi, Joe. I knew it was you. How did you know it was me? I know. I, I, already, I already memorized your number. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Okay, well, I hope you get better. I know we only got a few minutes, but... Um, uh-huh. What I wanted to just get out there real quick is the business yeah. of, I go back 20-plus years with the court system, having been divorced over 20 years myself. And way mm-hmm. back when, there was, a, there was a, a, a coping with divorce mandated course that, that courts were, were mandating that couples go through so as to not have business come before them in the way of parents pitting children against the other parent and so on and so forth. And the, and the expression and the, the term that was brought up then, 20-plus years ago, was intentionally inflicting emotional distress. Now, mm-hmm. how this evolved into parental alienation is a matter of just getting these stories out there and getting people, as Dar- Dorsey is involved with uh, for, for parents that, uh, on both sides to come forward and, and hopefully realize that they have been using children as weapons and for their own purposes. And in those specific cases where it might very well be a borderline personality disorder that is actually at work here, the, 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 that's horrible. I mean, it's horrific in the sense that the child is being victimized unknowingly and innocently without any idea of what's really going on. And that can't help, but we can't help but imagine that's going to affect that child's view of life, other relationships, siblings, schoolmates, workmates, et cetera, et cetera. So my hope and prayer is that within the court system, you know, we, we, we move exponentially toward toward bringing some kind of, of, of closure, if you will, or, or at least advancement towards recognizing when it is that parents are really doing the, the, the horror of the harms imaginable by intentionally inflicting this emotional distress and using children as the, as the method of doing it. That's my Amen, point. brother. Thank you. Amen. Okay. <laughs> 
Thanks for thanks for thanks for tuning in and closing out with that. Now, I'm just going to say for the people who are listening live that um, that the stream that the stream is going to stop, but the recording will continue, and you can listen to the extended recording on the archive. So everyone just just stay put. Um, but Joe, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Get better. Thanks. <laughs> you too. Okay. I'll, I'll email you in a couple of minutes. But um, okay. But now I'm going to hang up on you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Um, but what, one thing I will say, which I remembered from law school, is that in New York, I don't believe that the courts actually recognize intentional infliction of emotional distress. So, um, so you know, as far as like court actions go, you just have to check with your your local state attorneys to see. Um, what what grounds that that you do have if you do decide to go into the court system and and obviously with divorces that you do have to go you have a rubber stamp for um, for it so okay so closing out and Dorsey again thank you so much but we never close or leave Mama's pearls without asking our come tell Mama questions so Dorsey my dear what is your Luxury indulgence. My luxury indulgence. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Um, big or small. <laughs> Anything you desire. Keeping it clean for the studio audience, or I'm just teasing. Um, <laughs> my luxury indulgence is I eat dark chocolate once a month. <laughs> Only once a month? Jeez, I like I pound it every day. <laughs> I was going to say, once an hour. And like, <laughs> Where do we find this one? <laughs> All right, next question. <laughs> Which would you choose? The best sex of your life, the best meal of your life, or the best sleep of your life? Oh, best sex, hands down. Oh, man. Okay. Your favorite movie genre? Comedy, romance, horror, action, sci-fi, period piece, other? I like romance. Romance. Oh, you're a sap. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so favorite food, or which do you prefer in food, sweet or salty? Sweet. Sweet. Yeah, and you like your sticky rice. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, what would you consider your most beautiful feature besides your natural blonde hair? My eyes. Your eyes. Yeah, you do have good eyes. And the best advice your mama ever gave you? Which might be hard for you. Won't be hard. She had a few uh, golden nuggets in her uh, drama. Let me think. The best advice my mother ever gave me. Um, hmm. I'm sure that it would be advice um, as more as it was a statement of you're a survivor and you'll go wherever you want to go in life based on that skill. I'm not sure that's advice, but... No, that's awesome. It's a yeah. good mantra. It's a good mantra. It's paid off. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. That was awesome. So, again, our, to our listeners, you can find Dorsey Russell and her co-conscious Parenting Institute online. You can find Dorsey at on Twitter at um, Dorsey Russell. Is there any other information that you would like to share with our listeners? If you're on Facebook, you can join my um, co-parenting uh, page, which is Dorsey Russell hyphen Conscious Co-Parenting, and it's uh, Dorsey spelled D-O-R-C-Y. I'll just clear that up because most people don't spell it the right way. Um, so it's D-O-R-C-Y and Russell is R-U-S-S-E-L-L. And, um, you know, live your life by the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have done unto yourself. And if you can keep that in mind when you're dealing with your children and your spouse or your ex-spouse, 
you can create calm instead of chaos in your relationship. And thank you, Cynthia, so much for having me on your call today or on your show today. Super fun. You both are amazing. I can't wait till we uh, take it old school down here in North Carolina. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm packing up the minivan and we're coming. <laughs> Kids. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. We're gonna descend on her full booty. Everyone, pack and plays and everything. So, Dorsey, <laughs> thank you so much for being here, Melissa, my love. Thank you so much for being with me and being my backup. She's always been my backup forever, 20 years plus and counting. And um, and with that, we're gonna go back to our day jobs. Melissa, you want to close it out here with the information? Oh, you caught me off guard. (laughs) This week's topic was amazing, and I'm definitely looking forward to next week's topic, so I hope our guests stay tuned. And you can reach Cynthia at mamaspearls.com. Again, at Twitter, SynTweet. And again, always check on the blog site, www.mamaspearls.com. And you can check out this archive if you want to hear some of that great, stories and information that Dorsey shared today at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Mama's Pearls. Oh, Melissa, you're so hired. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Have a wonderful day, folks. <laughs> and this is Cynthia and Melissa, Mama's Pearls, reminding you to enjoy your children, enjoy your family, say I love you, remember to shut up once in a while, and do as the Taoists do, which is to sit in oblivion. Your voice is a powerful, powerful asset. Preserve it, save it, nurture it, empower it, and respect not only your voice but the voice of others. All right, guys, we'll chat again next week.